You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BS in Denver podcast network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world. And if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BS in Denver, but they are real. And they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to it, McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as usual, coming to you from 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, your home for Colorado's premier training. The bridge is what we call this place. If you come in here with a goal, we will build the bridge to help you achieve it, whether that's playing college football, playing in the NFL, losing weight, learning how to box, yoga, recovery, anything. That's what we do here. Check out the website at 60strength.com, and uh, we will get you right. Like I said, I am Matt McChesney, and this is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Check it out at bsndenver.com. Always follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at 60strength, on Twitter at BSN Unchained, and then follow BSN Denver, obviously, at BSN Denver on Twitter as well. Remember to download and subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. We have a huge show for you today. Uh, we've got Darren Shiverini from the University of Colorado, the offensive coordinator, previewing UCLA this evening up in Folsom and talking about the hot start for the Buffaloes, sitting at 3-0, and ready to start conference play. We have the head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 25th ranked uh, team in the country, uh, on a hot streak right now, winning some football games. But we got him on because Coach Cliff Kingsbury is a past teammate of mine with the New York Jets and one of the best young coaches in college football. And he was the position coach for Case Keenum at the University of Houston for four years as quarterback coach. And then he developed Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech as well. So we're going to have him on the show a little bit later talking about Chiefs and Broncos and the development of both guys. And that's some pretty exclusive shit that you're only going to get here on McChesney Unchained on BSN, Denver Podcast Network. So so hold on to your ass because it's going to be a great show. Uh, today's show, um, the Friday edition here, is brought to you by our friends at NeuroXPF.com, uh, Mr. Kyle and Mrs. Stacy Turley. Uh, they are two of the best in the business. They're two people that really care and are trying to make a difference and and, you know, change the way that, that athletes and veterans and really everybody recovers and takes care of themselves. I want everybody to go to NeuroXPF.com and check out this revolutionary uh, medicine, in my opinion, uh, CBD-based neuroprotectant medicine that can really help you with recovery and breaking down lactic acid and helping you uh, with all the inflammation in your body and any lingering injuries or chronic injuries that you may have in dealing with pain and trying to manage that pain. This product can help you a ton. It's something I take on the daily. Uh, my favorite thing to take is the Neuro XPF Neuro Shot. It's only a six-pack for fifty-four ninety-five. 
you can use the promo code 6015 for a 15% off uh, discount on your order, which I highly recommend you do. Uh, I take it every morning, and it gets me right mentally and physically to go dominate the day. The future of recovery in sports medicine is NeuroXPF.com. In my ex- uh, uh, opinion, the product is unbelievable. Hats off to Kyle Turley for all he does. And the eight-year NFL veteran at offensive line, former first-rounder and overall badass, uh, one of my idols when I was growing up and, and wanted to be like him when I played this game. He will join us next week on McChesney Unchained to talk about NeuroXPF.com, the product, the CBD-based protectant, and everything that goes along with it. Remember, we are selling it in-house at Six Zero Strength. It's the only place in the state that sells NeuroXPF, so come on down, get yours, and start your road to recovery and feeling better with NeuroXPF. Check out NeuroXPF xpf.com neuroxpf.com excuse me all right so we have a lot to talk about today uh we're gonna get straight into college football all right so syracuse and clemson go at it this week syracuse is undefeated and doing really well they beat clemson last year up at syracuse and it was a big upset clemson still obviously went to the playoff it was their only loss during the regular season uh kelly bryant is out at clemson looking to transfer trevor lawrence the freshman is named the starter the hypocrisy of college football knows no bounds. Uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, can't play this year, and he's got a graduate transfer, and he's got to do all these rules and stipulations. But his, co- his coach, Dabo Sweeney, could leave for the NFL tomorrow if he wanted to and leave everybody high and dry. Um, <clears throat> this is another reason why, in my opinion, I think college football players should stop playing. And I'll elaborate on this a little bit down the road, but I, I truly believe this. If, if you're a player and you want to get your movie check and you want to get your cut of the, of the revenue, or you're at Texas A&M and your, your program brought in $100-plus million in, in profit and they're not giving you a damn cent of it other than a stipend check, um, and I get it, a scholarship is awesome, but I don't want to hear that that's fair when you're looking at the amount of revenue brought in by college football players and the programs and, and the scholarship is nice, but it's, I, I'll pay for my school if you pay me to play. Uh, I'll gladly write that check, and then I won't have to take electives and all this other bullshit. So uh, it, personally, I think college football players should stop playing, lock arms, sit on the bench, and say, if you want us to play and you're going to keep exploiting us, we need to be compensated fairly from medical to to pay and and that will make it happen quick because people will start losing money left and fucking right it'll be mayhem Uh, i think clemson will beat syracuse this week and get a little bit of a rebound win after last year i I think that they're a really good football team but they're also in the acc which is super weak this year in my opinion uh florida state's terrible virginia tech lost to old dominion last week boston college was ranked and went to purdue and got smashed so i i think that you know syracuse is a good team they'll Win eight or nine games, but they're not going to beat Clemson in Death Valley. So look for Clemson to keep their hot streak going. Trevor Lawrence can play, so we'll see what happens there. The strength of Clemson's team is is their offensive line. I mean, in my opinion, some 73, big uh, Tremaine A, is one of the best tackles in all of football. Tremaine Archibald is so dominant at right tackles. Keep your eye on 73. He's a stud. Um, all right, upset alert, in my opinion. I think Texas will go to Kansas State, will go to Manhattan and lose. Uh, that veteran offensive line for Kansas State is pissed off. I think that they're underachieving a little bit. Dalton Reisner is a great player. He could be the first tackle off the board next year. Uh, I think he's elite, uh, part of the Dungeon family here. I think that Kansas State will beat Texas in Manhattan. So all the UT fans, yeah, you can feel good about yourself winning at home. But going on the road to the Little Apple, is it's not an easy environment. And it'll lull you to, straight, to sleep because Kansas sucks. And the, the state is awful, and, you you know, the bus ride is terrible. But when you get there, you better be ready to play, or they'll punch you in the mouth. But I think Kansas State beats Texas in Manhattan. Keep your eye on that one. Uh, Stanford at Notre Dame. This is a huge game. you got the seventh-ranked team in the country and the eighth-ranked team in the country going at it. It's a rivalry contest. Uh, this is a, a resume booster for Stanford and for the pac 12 sake and for the University of Colorado's sake because I'd love to see – Stanford and CU playing the Pac-12 title game. Um, I hope that Stanford can get this W. I think Notre Dame is severely overrated all the time, and they're smug, and I don't like the fact that they won't go to a conference and everything else that you can say about Notre Dame. It's all true. Uh, Stanford's a hard-nosed, ass-kicking football team. Uh, David Shaw's got them rolling. That win last week in Oregon was nuts. I can't believe that Oregon coughed that game up the way they did, but they did. It adds a lot of fuel to that rivalry as well moving forward. Um, you know, 
Stanford's team and their strength is built around their offensive line and the ability to run the ball and play action off of it. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love Kevin Carberry, their offensive line coach, and everything he does. It, Bear Miller from Eagle Crest, the guy I work with here, is committed to Stanford. Drake Nugent, a kid from Highland Ranch who I work with on the daily, uh, has got an offer from Stanford and doing everything he can academically to get in there. And he's a great student already, but it's really hard to get into that school. And what I would say to them both is, Bear, you know you're going to go there and develop into a potential pro offensive lineman and run pro scheme. That's a great fit. That's why I love the way Stanford does things. So I think that they're on a roll. That win last week is the kind of win that, that can propel a football team to being elite. This is a massive game for the Cardinal. If they can win this game, I think, I think they're a serious playoff contender. And obviously I want CU to beat them later in the year, but they're a playoff contender at the moment, especially if they can beat Notre Dame. So go Cardinal, go to uh, South Bend and beat the Irish. Uh, Ohio State and Penn State playing Happy Valley on Saturday night, number four against number nine. The Big Ten East is loaded. I mean, from Michigan to Ohio State to Penn State to Michigan State, they got, they got teams, they got squads everywhere. I think they'll cannibalize each other, and this is the beginning of it. I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State pulls out a W. The last time Ohio State went there, it was a big game on a Saturday night, and Penn State ended up beating them. Um, I Last year's game in Columbus and the shoe was a pretty tight one, if I remember correctly. Uh, Penn State could have easily won that game. I think Ohio State's a good football team. They have a dominant defense, but Bosa being out is going to hurt. I'm going to take Penn State in this game. I know that my boy Andrew Fogress is going to be pissed off at me about that one, but I don't care. Uh, O-H-I know this week. I think Penn State gets the dub in Happy Valley. Uh, they're on a roll. James Franklin's got that team rolling. Uh, the surprise of the year, in my opinion, number 20 BYU heads to Washington to play the Huskies. And Washington is is a weird squad for me. Jake Browning two years ago looked like a guy who was going to be a first-round draft pick and one of the first quarterbacks off the board. And now he looks like maybe the third or fourth best quarterback or less or, or worse, in my opinion, in the Pac-12. BYU, you know, went into Camp Randall and beat Wisconsin. That is not easy. That's one of the hardest environments to win at in the country. So I would anticipate BYU and all their 35-year-old freshmen – and, and, you know, everybody, all their grown men on their football team <laughs> to walk into Seattle and give them a run. If they can win this game, you got to start talking about BYU as a potential playoff contender as well because their resume stacks against anybody. If they can go to Camp Randall and win and they can go to Seattle and win, those are two huge victories on top of everything else they're going to have to do this year uh, on their schedule. They have to play Utah still and so on and so forth. So BYU is a surprise story. Do I think they go to Washington and get a W? No. I don't. I think that the the good luck story ends now, but it'd be pretty fucking cool if BYU could go there and get a W. I, I let's just be real. And I intentionally curse there because I'm talking about BYU, and I just want to piss you off. All right, so I think Washington beats BYU in Seattle, but I'd love to see the 40 year old Mormons go up there and get a W. Um, number 19 Oregon coming off of that just disaster last week. Uh, at home against Stanford, they got the game wrapped up. It's almost like the you know the miracle at the Meadowlands with Herm Edwards, who was my rookie year coach, consequently, and doing a great job at Arizona State. Um, it, it, you know, it was like that kind of play. You know, just down the ball, take a knee, and win the game. And it didn't happen, and Stanford ended up winning in overtime. So can Oregon rebound at number 24 Cal? Cal is a, a good story this year. They've been nice up to this point. I don't know if they're as good as their record shows, but we'll see. I don't know if CU's as good as their record shows, but we'll see. Um, th this is kind of a toss-up, in my opinion, because Oregon and Cal both have defenses that are middle of the road and will get up some points, but they can spread you out and, and really kick your ass all over the field. So I'm going to take the Ducks on the road. I don't think Cal is going to have a whole lot of support. Their stadium's falling apart. People don't go. Um, I, I, I don't really like Cal either. I'm not going to lie. I think they're super smug. So I'm going to take the Ducks on the road at Cal to get the W. I think Justin Herbert might be the first pick in the draft next year for the Ducks. He's impressed the shit out of me last week in that game against Stanford. All right, so West Virginia at Texas Tech. All right, now keep in mind we got an interview with Texas Tech head coach Cliff Kingsbury coming up here on the show. 
Uh, so don't go anywhere. We will talk about we will talk to him in a little while. And Darren Shiverini's interview for CU UCLA is coming up as well. But we're going full circle here, West Virginia travels to Texas Tech. Texas Tech went to uh, Stillwater last week and put it on Oklahoma State. I didn't think that they could do that, and they did. Uh, I know Cliff Kingsbury is real proud of his football team, but now they have another test. Greer walks in. Will Greer is one of the front runners for the Heisman this year. And a guy who's doing a really, really good job with his football team, getting them right. I would not put it past Texas Tech to win this football game. But at the same time, West Virginia's rolling. And if you have a great quarterback, you can essentially dictate to defenses in college football. And I think that Texas Tech has an opportunity to get this W. And honestly, I know that Kansas State and Texas is a big upset. This is a ranked contest, so I wouldn't really consider it that much of a huge upset if Tech won. It would just be a good game. And honestly, I'm going to take Tech. I'm going to take the Red Raiders at home to beat West Virginia. Uh, It's going to be a high-scoring contest, but I bet you that Tech makes some plays on defense to get some turnovers. And Cliff Kingsbury's team uh, gets a huge W to put them on a roll in the Big 12. And honestly, you know, Tech has done this in the past where they kind of come out of nowhere and start beating teams left and right. And then all of a sudden they're there at the end. So good luck to Tech and the Red Raiders and Cliff Kingsbury. I hope they get that dub over West Virginia this weekend. All right, CU hosts UCLA this evening in Folsom. Lock the fucking gates and let's go. It's time to go beat the shit out of the Bruins, all right? Uh, Other than Caleb Wilson, who's an outstanding tight end for for UCLA. I don't think they have a whole lot of talent on that football team from an NFL perspective. I think Caleb might be the first tight end off the board. So bracket cover 81 and see what we can do. Now, uh, I've been extremely impressed with Colorado up to this point. They're 3-0. They're kicking ass. Um, They beat CSU. They beat Nebraska. And I know some of these teams that they beat aren't very good, but I don't care. They're rivalry games. You're going to get the best shot in the rivalry games. And this is an opportunity to go out, all right, and – and put it on a team in the and put it on a team in the uh, in in the Pac-12 South that I don't like very much. I played them twice in in call in college in 02 and 03 and we beat the hell out of them both times and smashed them in the mouth. So that's the MO for UCLA. Phil Lindsay said it yesterday when he was or uh, on episode number 5 of BSN McChesney Unchained and he was saying that he doesn't consider them a physical team and you can go out and beat them in the mouth and take their lunch money. By the way, Phil Lindsay's interview on McChesney Unchained on Episode 5 was absolute fire, talking about the Baltimore game, talking about his experience at CU and a ton of other stuff. Go check out Episode 5 with Phil Lindsay and and listen to some truth. That kid is an absolute stud, and it was an unbelievably good interview when he came in and did it here at 6-0 Studios on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. So we're going to get straight into this interview with Coach Shiv now. Um, you know, Darren Shiverini. Uh, was actually at Texas Tech for a long time with Cliff Kingsbury. He's one of the premier recruiters in college football as well as one of the premier offensive minds, one of the best college coaches out there. Uh, Coach Shiv is is really done a great job at CU, and it's not surprising that when he got there, things started turning from a recruiting standpoint and an explosive offense standpoint. So here's our interview here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network with the offense coordinator at the University of Colorado, Mr. Darren Shiverini, in preparation for this evening's contest, CU and UCLA in Folsom. We'll be right back. And it is our pleasure here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network to bring in the offensive coordinator up at the University of Colorado, a good friend of mine, one of the best offensive minds and recruiters in the game of college football. Uh, Darren Shiverini is uh, nice enough to join us here on BSN Unchained, uh, McChesney Unchained as we call it. Uh, Shiv, what's up, brother? Man, what's going on, man? I'm good. We're just trying to get our buffs better, man. Yeah, so so this year has started off with a boom. You guys, uh, you know, beat two rivals back to back and finished the non conference three and zero. And you got a bye week before uh, a hated UCLA team walks in here. I know there's a lot of fans that don't like uh, don't like UCLA much. Uh, just talk about the the pre or the uh, the non conference schedule up to this point and how much momentum you guys are carrying into the Friday night contest against the hated Bruins. You know, it's always it's always tough when you have back to back games against rivals just because of the energy and the emotion that it takes out of your players. But <clears throat> was really proud of the way that our guys responded in the opener and then obviously going to Lincoln and, and getting a big win in Lincoln was awesome for our guys and 
you know, not having a letdown against New Hampshire was always key too because you, you see it on college football that, you know, after big wins, sometimes there's some letdowns. And so I, I think our guys have been focused and uh, we had a chance to get healthy a little bit on the bye week. And now we're excited to play, obviously, on Friday night in Folsom. Yeah, there are no guarantees anymore in uh, college football. You see Old Dominion beating a, a ranked Virginia Tech team. That was crazy. So uh, the the letdown wasn't there, which you know everybody likes seeing the explosive offense and the tenacious defense against New Hampshire. But I'm going to rewind here a little bit. CSU win was nice. You know, as both of us both played at CU, we're both happy about beating CSU. But Nebraska's where it's at, and I was there in Lincoln uh, on the sideline and w- was part of that atmosphere, and it was incredible. Just talk about the resilience of your football team. And, you know, there's some people that are trying to discredit the Nebraska victory because they haven't looked very good in other games. And I'm of the mindset that we kind of did that to them. And, and you know, they're still hung over a little bit after the Colorado loss. So just give your thoughts on the Nebraska CU atmosphere and that rivalry being back and everything that plays into it. Yeah, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a huge game around here, as we know. And, and uh, playing in Lincoln is – is as good as it gets when you got, you know, 91,000 people, whatever the, the number was. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good football game where both teams played really hard. And I give credit to, to, to Nebraska too. They played really hard. And you know, I'm, I'm not sure what's happened from the last couple of weeks, but they played really hard in our game and they made plays and, and, uh, it was back and forth. But I thought our, our kids never, never panicked, never blinked, even when we got stopped on that fourth down play in the fourth quarter, you know, our offense just, huddled on the sideline and, and got regrouped and went out there with a chance to, to win the game against them. And it was a great throw by Steven, a great catch by LaVisca. That's why people play college football, man, for games like that. So it was, it was a great atmosphere. It was a great win for, for our program. And, um, you know, it never gets old when you get to beat those guys, you know. Amen to that. There's nothing better than beating the corn, especially in Lincoln. Uh, University of Colorado offensive coordinator and uh, overall badass Darren Shiverini is joining us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, two more questions for you, Shiv, before we get you out of here. One, um, the recruiting in Boulder has changed tenfold since you walked in the door. Uh, it went from a kind of a no-man mentality to a yes-man mentality. And just elaborate on your thinking when it comes to recruiting what do you look for you know i think you know coach coach matt's been good to me since i've been here you know he gave me the recruiting coordinator title and allowed us to kind of restructure some things as far as where we were going to get our players and, and uh you know we were able to put five coaches in, in in the dallas area put three coaches in the houston area you know and obviously recruit the state of colorado and then recruit california you know traditionally we've always done a great job in california as well but i think us getting back into Texas really helped, but, you know, we're going after top talent. I mean, you see guys like LaVisca Chennault, Katie Nixon, and Louis Chandler, and those guys are all kids that were in the Dallas area. Frank Phillip, who's going to be a really good good player for us, is from Houston. I saw Hippolyte from Houston, you know, and keeping the, keeping the, the great players in the state of Colorado, keeping them home, you know, and that's key. You know, people get mad at us, say we don't, we don't take Colorado kids, and that's not true at all. We just got to make sure we take the right ones that fit our program and, and, and our top-notch players. So um, we've done a good job of keeping guys like Van Deese home and, you know, keeping guys like Stenstrom home. And, and there's some really good players that are in-state kids. You know, Philip Lindsay was an in-state kid, you know, and he's one of the great ones of all time in Colorado. So, you know, we've just, I think, taken a, a more approach of we, if we're going to compete against the, the best, we got to recruit the best. And I think we're doing that now at a high level. And, and we're landing some of these these kids, and they're, and they're developing the big time players for us. Amen to that, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on the you know not recruiting Colorado thing. I, I, that's a it's a dead conversation in my opinion, especially with how many guys I work with down at Six Zero and the conversations that you and I have all the time, and Clayton and everybody else. I mean, you guys have Austin Johnson, Salsa Johnson committed, number one player in the state. You've got Ty Evans committed, the best quarterback maybe in the the, the Western region. Honestly, I mean, the kid's got a cannon. So it's not as if you guys aren't going after him. You went got Jake Wiley from Eagle Crest, another big ass kick and tackle. So it, it's I, I do feel your pain on the Colorado thing, though. But uh, you guys yeah, are definitely I, I bringing in some dudes. I can't comment on those guys. They're not. We haven't signed them, so I can't comment on those guys, Matt. Oh, touche, touche, Coach. Um, well, moving forward here, you've got UCLA on deck on Friday night, and. Last year in the Rose Bowl, that was a heartbreaker. I, I can only imagine how you guys felt, but I, I felt that you guys outplayed them 
the pretty much the whole game, and, and with the exception of maybe four or five plays that got you, uh, what can you take from that atmosphere last year in the Rose Bowl and turn it, you know, on an 0-3 team coming in here trying to get right and get their first win for Chip Kelly? You know, you guys are big-time favorites, but I know you don't look at those numbers. What are you telling your football team this weekend to get a dub? You know, we're, we're really just focusing on us and, and doing the things that we can do better. Um, that, that's kind of been our mindset all year. And, you know, they got a good football team. Their record doesn't necessarily show up, but they, they're athletic. The two outside backers are really talented. Um, you know, Chip Kelly is a, is a really good football coach. He'll, he'll get it going. So we just got to focus on us and execute on offense and obviously do a great job on defense and special teams. But I'm excited. I think we, there was some energy today at practice. The guys are flying around. So should be a fun atmosphere Friday night in Folsom. And I will be there supporting your Colorado Buffaloes. Everybody get up there on Friday night and support the University of Colorado as they take on UCLA. And the new season starts. Conference schedule has begun, so the Buffs can go 1-0 in conference. Uh, Coach Shiv, thanks, brother. Uh, go up there and, and get a W on Friday night. Thank you for everything you do up there. And uh, Darren Shiverini from the, the University of Colorado here on McChesney Unchained. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, brother. And that was the offensive coordinator for your Colorado Buffaloes, Mr. Darren Shiv-Arini, here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, talking about CU and UCLA and recruiting and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, make sure that you go up and support this evening. The Buffs definitely need your support. Wear black and get your mind right to go smash a Bruin. All right, so. Moving on here, college football is a wrap for the weekend. Uh, We will talk about it a little bit more next week on Tuesday. We will come to you on Tuesday instead of Monday because of the Broncos contest Monday night. Uh, And we'll we'll try and give you you as much of a breakdown as humanly possible on what we see and what you're going to get uh, moving forward after the Kansas City contest. All right, so another one of our uh, sponsors here and a, a company that I'm endorsing these days, both uh, on McChesney Unchanged here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, but here at 6-0, and a product that we use a ton with the athletes here is wearbands. And it's a functional resistance training system uh, that my man Dan Schreiber has invented, and it's awesome, all right? It, it, the Dun- Dungeon family uses wearbands all the time, and I highly advise that if you're an elite athlete and you're looking for a tool that can help you with explosiveness, lateral quickness, keeping your toe dorsal flex when you run and and forcing your body to have good form, uh, forcing you to have good posture through your chest and really activate your core at all times. I'm telling you, whether you're a football player, a fighter, a tennis player, basketball, hockey, X game, uh, extreme sports and athletes, I don't care. If you're a lateral athlete, meaning you push off the inside of your foot, you have got to check out Wearbands. Go to wearbands.com. Check it out. I highly advise the system. We use it here at Six Zero all the time. We'll be posting videos all the time. Check them out at Wearbands on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and remember, you go on the website at Wearbands.com, and you can use the promo code Six Zero Twenty for a twenty percent discount on all their products. And they bring you the Wearband Warrior of the weekend. And I don't even need to wait until Tuesday to tell you who it is. It's Jared Goff. What I saw last night on Thursday Night Football was nuts. And there, it was clean game, no roughing the passer. There wasn't any defense, but there also wasn't any roughing the passer. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Goff went 26 for 33, 465, and five touchdowns and no picks. The Rams are 4-0, shocking. 300-plus um, yards off play action looks. 300-plus. Consequently, Kirk Cousins had like 86 yards off play action. So... I think the Rams may be the best team in football, definitely the best offensive football team in football. Uh, Gurley went off. Cooks went off. Cooper Cup was uncoverable. The rollout to the right that Goff threw on the run and dropped it in double coverage in in Cup's hands in the back of the end zone uh, on the pylon on the right side was one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life. I was dumbfounded when I saw it. So I think that the Rams are on an absolute tear right now, and – I don't know who's going to slow them down. I don't know how you play defense against these guys, dude. They, Sean McVay and everything that cat does and how smart he is and his photographic memory that he has, he was getting Cooper Cup lined up on Anthony Barr. He's getting, you know, Woods, uh, the fourth receiver on Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is out there getting toasted as an outside linebacker trying to cover slot receivers. Mike Zimmer is a great defensive mind, and if he's that confused and that frustrated after the game, God knows what the rest of the NFL is going to do. 
Minnesota's a good defensive football team, maybe the best defensive football team in the NFL. Emerson Griffin's out for whatever's going on, the crazy pills he's taking or whatever. I hope he's okay. Uh, but if they're going to struggle with that, everyone's going to struggle with it. So I'm interested to see what happens with the Rams moving forward. But the Broncos are going to have a hell of a test when they get the Rams in mile high later in the year, man. They are fucking loaded. Um, Aaron Donald, the the moves he was putting on the guards, he looked like a – a slimmer Warren Sapp last night on that 9-9. That, that arm over explosive like swim move where he threw his hips out and then wrapped up Cousins and threw him down. I thought he was going to get a flag because he threw him pretty hard. And, and not that I have a problem with that. It's just the softness of the NFL these days. And Dominican Sue had a good game. But, it, you know, they do need to, to, to sew up their secondary. And everyone does. Through the first three now going on week four of the NFL season, the secondary play in the NFL has been atrociously terrible. Denver hasn't been been good. Baltimore was terrible last weekend. The the Rams were awful last night. Minnesota was awful last night. So it's got to be fixed. But at the same time, I don't know if the NFL wants it fixed. I think they want games like this. And honestly, it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. But at some point, I'd like to see some defense. So as we get into the NFL here, the Wear Bands Warrior of the weekend, even though it's only Friday and the weekend's just beginning, but Thursday Night Football showed us who it was. It's Jared Goff. 26 for 33, 465, five touchdowns. Rams are 4-0. Get your fucking mind right, L.A. Holy shit. Uh, All right, so talk about a couple of these games here in the NFL before we bring you Cliff Kingsbury's interview and talk about the Broncos. Fins at Pats, all right? Um, I played for the Jets, Dolphins, and Broncos. There's not three fan bases or franchises that hate New England more. Then those three, so I'm picking the Dolphins to go on the road to New England and win. Now, they could lose, and they probably will because New England's going to rebound at some point, but I'd love to see the Dolphins go there and get a W. I was on a Dolphins team that went there, and we ran the Wildcat up New England's ass and beat them there. It's fun to win in New England. It's rare. Um, The Dolphins are playing really well. Tannehill is healthy and playing well. Adam Gase has got that team rolling. He picked the captains this year instead of the team picking them. He's kind of gotten rid of some of the cancers in that locker room and in the coaching staff. You know, his his O-line coach, he doesn't have an O-line coach upstairs doing blow and, you know, texting strippers and telling him he wants to marry him. I wonder if that's the cocaine talking or not. Um, So I think he cleaned that franchise up a little bit, got rid of some of the bad apples, and they're rolling, man, and they look pretty good. So I hope the Dolphins can go get a W in New England. I think that this is the beginning of the end for the Patriots, honestly. And to be honest, I wouldn't – I wouldn't be upset if they didn't make the playoffs or they were a wild card team. I'm tired of seeing them host playoff games. I'd love to see them on the road and see if they can take their show on the road and get a W because people would love to beat the hell out of them in the wild card round. Uh, I'll take the Fins on the road. New England's in trouble. Uh, I don't think they have anybody on defense that can pressure the pressure the passer. Their offensive line is struggling. They lost win to a torn Achilles. Tom Brady finally looks old a little bit. Their running game is lacking. They don't have a number one receiver. And the the years of Bill Belichick going cheap and relying on Tom Brady to save them, it's kind of catching up with them here a little bit. So we'll see what happens, but go Dolphins. All right, the Buccaneers visit the Bears. Uh, Khalil Mack is dominating the NFL right now. Uh, he may be the defensive player of the year when it's all said and done, although Aaron Donald will have something to say about that after last night's performance. Uh, the Bucks are they going to start Fitzmagic or Jameis? Uh, personally, knowing Ryan Jensen and, and the way he thinks, the center at Tampa Bay, I've been working with him a long time. He just signed a huge contract with the Bucks. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past people at Tampa Bay to have a goddamn pirate mutiny, <laughs> for real, on Dirk Cutter and that organization if they put Jameis back in. I know Jameis is your franchise quarterback, and he's the first pick, but Fitzpatrick walked in, took the job, did a great job. First guy in NFL history to throw 400 yards in three games. He's been dealing to the NFL all year. You cannot bench him now. I know he had three interceptions in one quarter. Two of them were tip balls. I don't want to hear it. Okay, he everyone makes mistakes. If you put Jameis back in the game, you're going to lose the football team. Everyone will freak out. And he could go in there and play well, but he's a chump mentally. Jameis Winston is a mental cripple. This moron walked back in with a huge smile on his face the other day at his press conference and said, did y'all miss me? No, no one missed you, Jameis. You're a chump. You're an underachieving, entitled and, you know, guy who can't keep his hands to himself and is constantly getting away with shit. Constantly. Slap on the wrist, Jameis Winston. That's what your name should be. Old slap on the wrist, Winston. Because you get away with everything, dude. 
Are you ever going to grow up and be a pro? Are you ever going to stop acting like this is a fucking video game? Are you ever going to stop acting like this is, you know, any given Sunday eating a W and it's all about pregame speeches and shit? It's not. Where my dog's at? Shut up. Go play the game and be a pro. Learn some humility from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know that he's up there having a good time, and you may be always cocky. He's not cocky. I played with Ryan. He's a good dude. He's a humble, hardworking pro. Jameis Winston can take a lot from that cat. Shut your mouth. Go earn your spot back and be ready if your number's called. If Fitzmagic, you know, if, if they've run on hard times and he starts throwing picks and your number's called, be fucking ready, Jameis. Don't watch. Did y'all miss me? Dude, oh, man. I, I wanted to slap his ass through the TV when he said it. I was yelling at the TV, shut the fuck up. So here's a, here's a little advice. Jameis, shut up. Go be the number two and get ready to go play football, please, because, bro, you're, you're, you're essentially fucking yourself out of the NFL, essentially. So shut up. Uh, I'll take the Bears on the road, though. I do think that Mack and that running game will get the W. The Chicago and Trevathan and Mack, they built themselves a nice little defense there. Uh, the Monsters of the Midway are definitely back. So we'll see what happens. I'm sorry to get off on a rant on Tampa Bay, but I just cannot stand Jameis Winston. That guy drives me fucking crazy. Um, one of the best rivalries in football, the the black and blue ball is what I call it. Uh, the Ravens visit Pittsburgh, at least it used to be this way. Uh, Pittsburgh got their first win last week. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Broncos. This is a toss-up for me because I, I don't know what Pittsburgh is. I don't know if they can play defense still. I don't know if they're going to be hard-nosed. They gave up 27 points last week again, even though they won. I don't know if they're going to be able to consistently just throw the ball all over everyone and not be able to run the rock like they have in the past and be successful. I know that they could probably get into the playoffs with that, but I don't know if they can win. This is a playoff atmosphere game because the winner of these contests usually has home field or a home playoff game in the north. So I'd like to see Baltimore go in and win this game. Uh, I, I don't really like either team. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't – I'd like to see Pittsburgh fall on their face. It's time to reshuffle that deck. I don't think Tomlin's the guy. Antonio Brown's smug. Roethlisberger is what he is. Le'Veon Bell's not even there. Their defense is a wreck, and I, I don't think that they're very good. So it might be time to rebuild in Pittsburgh, and the fastest way to do that is to tank and suck. And they already kind of suck, so I, I'd anticipate Baltimore smelling blood in the water and going out there and, and kicking the shit out of them. And that's what I'd like to see. You know, I, I don't think that they have anybody that can consistently block 55. At least we don't, so I don't know why Pittsburgh would. Um Roethlisberger loves beating Baltimore, but they love beating him too. So I'm going to take the Ravens on the road. I think Flacco is motivated this year because of Lamar Jackson's presence and the fact that they traded up to go get him. That was a wake-up call for Joe. He attacked it correctly, lost some weight, and he's been awesome this year so far. So this is a great game. It always turns into a hard-hitting contest, and I don't anticipate this one being any different. But I'm going to take the Ravens on the road. Hopefully they can go in and beat Pittsburgh and put Pittsburgh in a hole that I don't know they're going to be able to climb out of. All right, so we're going straight into Chiefs at Denver. And I know it's the Monday night game. We're going to have a lot of time to dwell on this and talk about it. And that's okay. Um, this is a massive contest. It's one of the biggest games of the year, if not the biggest game of the season. Last year on in primetime, Denver and their first op or their second opportunity in primetime, the Giants beat the shit out of us in, at home. So this is an opportunity for a primetime atmosphere against a team that everybody thinks is going to walk into mile high and roll us, roll the Broncos. This is an opportunity for Denver to go out and prove the doubters wrong. Now, before we get into my breakdown of, of this contest, I, I want to bring you a very special interview. And this is the head coach at the universe at Texas Tech University, the Red Raiders. A guy I played against in college, Cliff Kingsbury, he tore us up. Even though we did beat him in Folsom, we, he did tear us up. That's what he did. Uh, he, he's the guy that started that fun gun, uh, you know, Mike Leach, throw it all over the field era down there at Tech. That was Cliff Kingsbury all the way, one of the best college quarterbacks I ever played against. He's now the head coach at Texas Tech and doing a great job at his alma mater. Consequently, Cliff developed Case Keenum at Houston for four years. He was his coach for four years there. And he developed Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech. So he coached both these guys and knows them very well. And that's why I wanted to bring him on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network and talk to him about both of these guys and what he sees and how he sees it. So this is our interview with Texas Tech head coach, 
Cliff Kingsbury, who coached both Case Keenum and Patrick Mahomes, who are, who are going against each other and squaring off Monday night for the Broncos and the Chiefs. This is elite access you're not going to get anywhere else. So sit back, relax, put your feet up, and learn something from the head coach at, the, at Texas Tech University, Cliff Kingsbury, on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. It is our pleasure on McChesney Unchained to bring you the head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, a past teammate of mine, a past opponent of mine in college, and a, a past teammate of mine with the New York Jets back in the day. Uh, Mr. Cliff Kingsbury joins us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, uh, bsndenver.com. Coach, what's happening? How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Man, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show and taking the time out of a busy uh, schedule. I know you guys off of a big win last week uh, in Stillwater, right? You went down to Oklahoma State and got a dub. It was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. We hadn't won there in a while. Kids played good and fought hard, and so we were able to get it done. So Texas Tech, you know, I, they were a Big 12 – they're still a Big 12 school. Colorado used to be a Big 12 school back in the day when we played each other, and – it was it was fun and gun and a lot of throws and you know the 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 skill position players and the quarterbacks put up numbers and they could always play and that was always consistent and you know it, this is a show where we focus on a lot of college football but we also focus on a lot of Denver Bronco talk and they play the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend or on Monday Night Football, and Patrick Mahomes, your boy, uh, the quarterback that you developed down there and a guy that led your football team for a lot of victories and a lot a lot of good times, is absolutely annihilating the NFL right now. So I'm going to give you the floor, Coach, and just talk about Pat a little bit. And, and I know you're not surprised about this, but what he's doing is historic. So just talk about uh, Pat Mahomes and, and what you're seeing. Yeah, phenomenal young man. You know, he, he's a guy who grew up with a baseball background. His dad was a pitcher for 10, 11 years, played a, on a bunch of major league teams. And so Pat grew up around sports and, and professional athletics. And, and it was like, or, um, when he got to us, he really played football two years in high school, kind of picked up as the hobby. Everyone thought he was going to go play pro baseball, would have been drafted high had he made that decision. But he fell in love with football, and, and his first year he came to Texas Tech, he played baseball and football. It's a little bit much for him, I think, a little overwhelming. And uh, that second year really focused on football and, and you know, is, is insanely talented, has kind of uh, mentality. He thinks he can make every throw, which he can. It doesn't always set his seat, can throw from different arm angles and just has ridiculous arm talent, a great football mind, and a great presence on the field. And so um, I, I wouldn't say we're, we're surprised by it. I think anybody that starts the season in a historic fashion, maybe a little more than we expected, but he's a phenomenal talent, phenomenal person, and uh, you know he's in a great situation as well. And we were talking about that a little bit uh, before we, we got on the show here and started recording, Coach, and, and that's that – the great Andy Reid and the great play caller that he is and all the all the quarterbacks he's developed and and everything he's been able to do with the multitude of skill players he's had in QBs over the years. I don't think he's ever had anybody like Pat. And you were saying that, you know, he he acclimated to Mahomes rather than Mahomes necessarily having to acclimate all towards the NFL game. And just talk about that as a quarterback yourself and as a guy who develops talent and expects a lot out of your signal caller – is it easier to conform to the 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 standards of the NFL game and under center and you know eye formation and play action and the rules, or is it easier to just look at your talent and say, how can we win with five or yeah, fifteen think, now? Yeah, I think you nailed it with that that last statement. I, I've said that uh, really since I went through the NFL experience and have been around the game. You know, these coaches get maybe two years now in the NFL to, to turn things around and get a winning record. So if you're drafting these, these young men who are first-round picks out of a spread system, that's where they come from. That's that's all the tape you've seen on them. That's probably what they played in in high school. To ask them to come in and be an immediate impact in some system that's foreign to them, they've never done it, they've never done the step-to-step drop, the flash and stuff from under center. To, act, to think you're going to come in and play at a high level immediately, it's, it's not going to happen. And so what you're seeing now, I think, you know, Dak Prescott was another example as a rookie, the high level he played at. But you're seeing these coaches, okay, well, what does he do well? What does he come for with? What did he do well in college? And they're building their system around him. And I, I think it's genius. And I, I think Coach Reed is a great example of that that's allowing Pat to play at an extremely high level, give him concepts he's comfortable with. You know, it helps to have the type of weapons he has around him. But what he's doing – 
you know, out there on Sundays is what I saw him do at White House High School in East Texas and what I saw him do in Texas Tech, and that's spread people out and let them go. If it's not there, extend the play with your feet. You know, get it out quick at times, see the field. It's it's a beautiful thing to watch. Man. you got to give Coach Reed a lot of credit. Amen to that. The head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, Mr. Cliff Kingsbury, joins us here on BSN. Uh, McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, coach, everything that you see from Patrick Mahomes is, you know, a a concept that he learned somewhere and, you know, from footwork to pocket presence to delivery to release. He's he's had great coaches from uh, Coach Bianami, who's his OC uh, at, at Kansas City now, uh, the coach that coached me in college to you and, and developing at Texas Tech and his father and the background there. All that's great. What really separates this kid? Because there's a lot of talented guys. There's a lot of guys with football lineage. There's a lot of dudes that that can throw it through the wall. But when I've watched him these first three weeks, he seems to me like he's got the it factor. And there's only a couple of guys like that in the NFL. And why do you think he's got that? Is it, is it just his swag or what? He, he's got a lot of that. There's no doubt. He's a guy who he wants some guys shy away from those moments. Some guys shy away from the big games. The bigger the game, the better he plays. And that's how what I saw in college is, is he wanted the spotlight on him. He wanted the ball in his hands you know, at the most crucial times. And, and that's something you either got or you don't. I, I think his playmaking ability, not growing up in a real structured football environment where you know he had these quarterback coaches and tutors his whole life, he, he has a different view of the game and he just goes out there and plays and he's got a looseness to himself and um, it's different you know his arm talent is phenomenal but it's so many other things that make him the great player he is what did you think and you don't have to answer this one if you don't want but what did you think he would struggle with the most is it the protection schemes is it being at the line of scrimmage and, and changing plays because I'm not yeah. seeing a lot of weaknesses <laughs> you know, I think you know we, we give our quarterbacks free reign to, to get us into the right plays, whether run, be run or pass, what they see on the field. But we, and you'll you understand this, we take um, the protections off our quarterbacks and put them on the center. I like so that. Quarterbacks can, yeah, so our quarterbacks can play fast and tempo and see the defense and get us in the right play. And so I, I knew there would be some adjustment period, you know, having to recall the mic and, and things of that nature. But you can tell he, he's doing it out of the line of scrimmage. He's making it. They're playing fast, and, and he's picked that up pretty well. But uh, that's what I thought would be a little bit different is, is him making the protection call every snap. And, and I know you know Case Keenum too, right, Coach? Yeah, I, I coached Case for four years down there at University of Houston. And that, that's what I thought. So I know you you know Case and, and you know him well and coached him at the University of Houston where Major Applewhite is now actually and, and doing a great right. job. Um, talk about Case a little bit and just his development now and his opportunity that he's gotten in Denver since you've coached both of these guys and been integral in their development and you know how much you do now. Uh, just to talk about Case a little bit and, and what the Broncos can look forward to because there's a lot of folks out here that – are really happy when we lose, and I'm telling you, they go in the damn dumps when they when they or really happy when they win and go in the dumps when they lose around here. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd like it to be a little more consistent, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I mean, Case. I mean, y'all probably got a feel for the type of man he is. Very Leader. Deep. Yeah, very deep in his faith. Incredible human being. Treats everybody amazingly well. You know what? What always amazed me was how his teammates would run through a wall for the guy because he, he's just the best person in the world. But very, very smart football mind, works his tail off. He's gotten better and better and better. Every opportunity he's had, he's taken advantage of it. And he's going to be he's going to be really, really good there in Denver. I, I think, um, you know, the more reps he's gotten, you saw it last year in Minnesota, you see it here in Denver. I know he wants to clean up some of the turnovers he's had earlier in the season. But as he gets more and more comfortable with that system, those receivers, they're just going to get better and better. And, and he's going to get that city, everything they've ever wanted. Uh, I think it'll be a heck of a run. I agree, man. They, he's done nothing but win everybody over here in Denver so far, in my opinion. And I work with a bunch of his offensive linemen in here all the time, and and they rave about him and his leadership and just the grit he has at the quarterback position. And uh, you know that that's what you want as a as a lime as an ex lineman. That's what I always look for in a quarterback is, you know, if he's going to go out there and get dirty with me, we're going to have a chance. Uh, coach, because you coached them both, because you're, you you developed Pat Mahomes and you developed Case Keenum, who you got Monday night? <laughs> yeah, really put you on the spot. I want, a, I want a high scoring offensive affair, man. I'm cheering for both offenses. I like it. I like it. So, like 40, 39 good guys. That's we'll just it. put it like Over, that. Double overtime, whatever it takes. 
I dig it. I dig yeah. it. All right. Well, good luck this weekend, Coach. Uh, the head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders joining us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, Mr. Cleef, Cliff Kingsbury. Coach, thank you very much for your time. I know you're very busy. And uh, go kick some ass, man. Thank you, Coach. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. Hold on. And that was the head coach at Texas Tech University, Mr. Cliff Kingsbury. And I thought that the interview was amazing. Uh, That's another great interview here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. You remember to go to Episode 5 and listen to Phil Lindsay's interview in studio. Uh, We had Coach Darren Shiverini from the University of Colorado on earlier to talk UCLA and CU and the development of all of his guys up in Boulder. And then we just brought you the head coach at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury, to talk about Case Keenum and Patrick Mahomes. So you're not going to get access like that anywhere else, only here on McChesney Unchained at 6-0 Studios on bsndenver.com. So... The Chiefs and the Broncos, man. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and try and give you X's and O's. That's for the six zero top six. And on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, we'll have all that up. I hope you liked it. Um, I will try and get better as we go uh, and give you as much information as possible. Uh, it's something I really enjoy doing. So I, I hope you enjoyed the six zero top six. Remember, you can always find it behind the paywall at bsndenver.com. Uh, my girl Allie, thank you for all your hard work. You're really kicking ass. And, and Andre, thank you for all her, your hard work as well. But let, let's get into this. Let's get into Kansas City and Denver. Um, the hated Chiefs are rolling. They've got offensive weapons for days. They have the ability to score points in bunches. This is a huge test for the Broncos secondary, and I'm not going to act like it's not. Um, I think that the Broncos can can kind of give Kansas City a dose of reality on Monday night for the simple fact that defensive – or defensive uh, personnels and individual players and schemes and coordinators really all over the NFL have really struggled this year. It it was a, you know, you saw this last night, 38-31, yards through the roof. You know, guys are really confused with concepts. There's constantly mismatches all over the field. Now, Kansas City has the ability to get a ton of mismatches, and they're going to. You're going to see receivers on linebackers. You're going to see linebackers on Kelsey, which is never a, a good look. They're going to spread the field. Coach Eric Bieniemy, who I love and one of my favorite coaches of all time and players, uh, the OC in Kansas City is doing a great job working with Andy Reid, who's a damn mu- magician uh, on a formations and motions and play-action looks. The Broncos have their work cut out for them, and more importantly, Vance Joseph and Joe Woods have their work cut out for them. Those guys, VJ and Joe Woods, have got to sit down this week, and hopefully they are, and evaluate not only the Chiefs, But they have to self-scout. You can only stay and cover one fence, man, so long. Eventually, if you're not getting home and they're max protecting or showing you different slide protections looks like Baltimore did last week where they're sliding all the way away from Bond and cutting him down at the point of attack to throw the ball, those are change-ups. And teams are starting to do that to Denver because they – we're so vanilla. I mean, we are literally in cover one fence all the damn time. All the time. We were the same last year as well. And if you've got Chris Harris coming out and questioning it, and, and you've got Flacco saying, you know, we could have thrown the ball 55 times and been successful last week, that's not good. So the whole point of the NFL is you're supposed to be able to play with people mentally. And I don't want the the league to revert to college rules where everything's man coverage and we're just running around tackling people and it's 50 to 49. That doesn't work for me. you got to play some defense at some point. So the Broncos have got to do a better job disguising. Joe Woods has got to do a better job of not relying on his talent and figuring out a way to put them in position to maximize the talent. Not just saying we're really good on defense so we can win one-on-one battles. Yeah, that's great, but can we put guys in position to maximize one-on-one battles? Or maybe so they don't have to necessarily win one-on-one battles, they can just win by the position they've been put in because of the scheme and the change-up? If they come out and cover one fence this week and they don't show two high safeties and they don't show some change-ups and Tampa 2 and some robbers and you know some intricate blitzes where they're dropping people and trying to confuse 15, this is only his fourth start of his NFL career. He's not Joe Montana. I mean, God almighty, can somebody try and confuse 15? If they're not trying to do that on Monday Night Football with 75,000 ruckus Bronco fans behind them, we're fucked. 
Mahomes is going to go for 400-plus, and he's going to score five touchdowns because man coverage against 15 and Andy Reid, they are just licking their chops in Kansas City, rubbing their hands together like, ooh, we are going to toast Denver this week. We can't just sit and cover one man the whole game. So hopefully Joe Woods and VJ can figure out a way to to be more creative and disguise more, not only in the coverage but in the blitz looks so guys like Shane Ray, Von Miller, Shaq Barrett, Derek Wolf, you know, uh, Chubb and all these other dudes can eat. Because, again, just winning one-on-one battles is nice. And, yes, it's expected from – pro football players, but it's also expected from pro pro football coaches to put the pro football players in the best position to be successful so they can win one-on-one battles and then dictate two offenses, and then Denver can play with the lead. If we're not creating – it's not getting turnovers. It's creating turnovers. The Broncos are trying to get turnovers. No one's just going to gift you the fucking ball. You have to go create the turnover. That's the way it works. So I want to see the Broncos create pressure, not look for it. I want to see the Broncos create turnovers, not ask for them and and hopefully gift them. I want to see the Broncos go out and play physical and play within the rules, not worry about penalties and throw their hands up and act like they have to go to the principal's office every time they're called. I think that they have the potential to do this, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm very confident about it after what I've seen the first three weeks, especially Carr and Flacco and their percentages going through the roof and how vanilla everything was and how they just chopped up the secondary. I know we won the, the Oakland game, and that's great, but Carr went off 29 for 32, and Flacco was damn near perfect last week, last week as well in Baltimore chopping up Denver secondary. So I think we have the personnel to do it, but you've got to match personnel with coaching and scheme, and hopefully VJ and Joe Woods can get that done. Um, in my opinion, there's a couple keys to victory on defense before we go to the offense and look at them. Number one, hit Mahomes. Hit him as much as you can. I don't care if you get a personal foul on the first play on the first hit. If you want to pick him up and drive his ass into the turf and, and you know rock his helmet up to his nose and split his chin and get the back of his jersey really nasty and green and a, a little bit of blood on it maybe, I'm cool with that. I'm, that sends a message. I'll take a 15-yard penalty for that. But if you're going to get a roughing the p- passer penalty these days, at least get it correctly. At least sell out and get your roughing call correctly. Don't get some soft-ass, you know, burping the quarterback call or push him too hard and then you get a foul you might as well go for the fucking gold if you're going to get a roughing the passer foul run through him as hard as you can and honestly i'm not saying that the bounty system is cool or anything that's not what i'm advocating but football is football i would if i'm the defensive line coach if i'm bill kolar i'm telling him hey i'll take a 15 that's on me first 15 yard penalty is on me after that i don't want you to do it but i want you to send a message to 15 first time and and that's the way rivalry games are in the nfl and that's the way that I think, and if you don't like it, then change the fucking channel because this is real man football right here. We tape up our hands and go after people. That's why I played, and that's why people that I associate with play because it's a physical game where I can take your fucking lunch money and you can't do shit about it. So if you want to make the the evening miserable for Pat Mahomes, go put him in the fucking dirt early and make him know that the orange crush is coming after him even though they're wearing all blue on Monday night. Number two, win the 50-50 balls. The 50-50 balls the Broncos have to come down with, whether it's pick or, or uh, uh, breaking up the pass. They have to come down with the rock at this point. So win 50-50 balls in the secondary and win 50-50 balls in, in, in the fumble piles, okay? And don't... Uh, you know, just jump into the pile anymore. There's no more of that. They really don't like that, apparently, from what Phil Lindsay told me. Uh, remember, the Phil Lindsay episode is episode five, and I've, I've said it a couple times in the show so far, but you've got to go listen to it. It was straight fire. He did a great job. Uh, dominate the line of scrimmage so the play-action stuff doesn't work. If you take away the draw-screen play-action stuff from Kansas City, they become an anemic offense and very, very... Uh, one-dimensional, and then you'll know they're passing and you can get in their hip pocket and make some plays and you can go pressure 15. If they can run the ball, and I guarantee you Eric Bieniemy wants to run the ball first, even though they're a high-flying point-scoring offense, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and go deep right off the bat in the first play of the game, but I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, that fantastic running back they have uh, goes for 25 carries, honestly. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they run the ball 35 times in Denver to try and control the time of possession and set up play action. So stop 
the running game, dominate the point of attack, dominate the line of scrimmage, and and shut the fucking door on play action from Kansas City. Now, looking at the Broncos' offense, number one, 72 has got to play better, and he's got to play better mentally. He's got to play better with his hands. He's got to understand angles, and if he doesn't, I'm just telling everybody right now, if Garrett Bowles doesn't come prepared for this ball game, Justin Houston is going to eat him alive. Absolutely eat him alive. Number 50 will lull you to sleep. He'll think, he'll be like, oh, he doesn't have it this evening. Bam. Five sacks and pressures and making Ty Sambrella look like a, a damn JV player out there on, on Sunday Night Football back in the day. The same thing will happen to 72. They've got a year of tape on Garrett, and and they are not fucking around. Justin Houston is an elite pass rusher. D. Ford is an elite pass rusher, and he's finally healthy, number 55. They're going to be rotating on 72. And I'm telling you, if you can't slide away from your left tackle in the NFL, you're going to have a hard time protecting against these blitz looks as the season goes on and they start game planning people a little bit better. The, the beginning of the season, they're trying to figure everybody out. Later in the year, if we can't slide away from Garrett, we're in trouble. So this is a huge rebound game for 72. I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can get it done because he's got a huge test. Huge test with Houston and Ford. And the rest of the offensive line, I think that they'll rebound and do better. But we will see uh, retrospectively what happens. With 72, brother, you've got a big fucking opportunity here to go out and shut up all, all the critics, myself included. So go get it done. I'd like nothing more than to eat crow on Tuesday. Number two, no turnovers. Case, stop throwing picks. No more fumbles. No more reckless play. You cannot give Kansas City any more opportunities than they're already going to get. If, it, if you average 13 to 15 possessions a game in the NFL, let's get Kansas City between 10 and 8 possessions in the game, and you'll win. And 8's low, so let's say 10 and 12. If you can get them between 10 and 12 possessions with a couple turnovers, you're going to be in position to win. If they're 15 possessions and no turnovers, they're going to have 500 yards and 35 points. They're averaging 39 points a game right now. That's fucking nuts. Their defense, though, isn't. Their defense is not ranked high, but they have great players. They have great players. They just do. So because their numbers are high on defense because everybody's behind the whole time and they're throwing the ball to catch up, Kansas City's more than happy to give up five yards, rally and tackle, and make you punt, but your numbers are going to go up. All right, they're going to give up some yards, and I, I hate the fact that people actually think that they're bad on defense because they're giving up yards. No, they're good on offense. That's why they're giving up yards, because teams have to consistently throw the ball against them to try and catch up. If you don't block 50 and 55, they're going to wreck the fucking game. Don't get lulled to sleep because you think that they're not good on defense. They're not elite by any means, but they have elite players. So don't turn the ball over, Case. Control the time of possession. Control the line of scrimmage and take your shots when you need them. And don't turn the ball over for It's a huge rebound game for you as well. And the last one is time of possession. Control the top. T-O-P. If you can control the time of possession in this football game and Phil Lindsay and Freeman and Booker hold on to the rock and they can, they can run the ball with the same kind of yards per carry average they have been running, I think that you have an opportunity to keep Kansas City off the field. And your running game becomes a part of your defense. And then everything just works hand-in-hand hand as we go. So the time of possession in this football game is going to be huge. If Kansas City has 10 more minutes of T.O.P. than Denver, we're going three and out a lot and punting the ball a lot. Now, I will say this about punters. If Marquette King struggles again this week, I think that they should just cut him and eat it. And it was a failed experiment because I agree I don't need that kind of like swag and stuff from my punter. It, when he came out and did that video about Chucky – it just it, it it feels like you know spoil graves to me. Like, dude, you you made a ton of money in Oakland. Gruden doesn't want a punter that has all this flair. He wants Shane Leckler. You know, he just wants a dude to go out there and drill the ball and run off the field, and that's what everybody wants. And that's why they just signed a, a punter to the practice squad. So Marquette, get your mind right, dude. Just go punt the ball and stop acting like you're some integral part of the team that can't be replaced. You're not Von Miller. You're not Demarius. You're not Manuel. You're a fucking punter. Be a punter. Stop acting like you're special. Go be the punter. Punt the ball. Shut the fuck up. Run off the field. And if you can't do it well, they're going to cut you and put the other guy in. And that's it. So uh, that that's all I'll say about the specialist. Thank God. Although the special teams, other than the punter, has been really, really good. So I, I love the Tom McMahon hiring. Now, today's been a great show. I've loved it. Thank you, NeuroXPF. Go check out the website, 
15 for the promo code to get you 15% discount. Thank you, Wearbands, wearbands.com. Go to the website at 6020 on the promo code to give you 20% discount. Thank you to our sponsors. Remember to check out 60strength.com. Come to the bridge and check it out. This is what we do here. All right, we've got guys out here working right now on pass setting. We've got guys coming in to do film and get recruiting help. That's what we do. This is the bridge. Come, walk across it, and we will help you achieve your goal regardless of what it is. College football recruiting, playing in the NFL, changing positions, learning football, weight loss, classes, whatever you want to do, that's what we do here at 6 We got you covered. So, Prediction time. I think that Kansas City wins the game, unfortunately. and But I do think Denver plays hard and plays well. I'm going to take Kansas City 35-20. to 20. Um, I didn't think that Denver would win this game early in the season. I don't think they'll win it now. I didn't think that they were going to win in Baltimore, and I picked them to, and I went against what I thought, which made me angry. So I'm just going to I'm going to roll with my gut. Unfortunately, I think Kansas City wins 35-20. And Denver's going to have to look at themselves in the mirror going into next week and saying, okay, we got a road game. Uh, we're at the Jets. This is not going to be a tough it's, – it's not going to be a nice environment. It's another 11 o'clock start. we got to get our mind right and get to 3-2. and two. I'd love to see Denver win, but at the same time, I think Kansas City's just on a fucking roll right now, and you're going to have to just get out of their way or stop them. So do I think they have the potential to do so? Yes. Von Miller's got to be the best player on the field, and he's got to be the guy that's creating turnovers. We need an, uh, a Super Bowl 50 output on defense in this ballgame, and then they'll win. And if they don't do that, it's going to be a shootout, and I don't know if you want to get in a shootout with Kansas City. So uh, we'll see what happens, but – you know, it is what it is. Hopefully Denver can full, pull out a victory, but Kansas City's pretty good. And also, if they come into Denver and win, I'd like to think that we can go to Arrowhead and spoil their party later in the year, hopefully for a playoff spot. So it's not the end of the world. Everybody just take a deep breath, win, lose, or draw. The Broncos are going to be fine. I think they'll move forward and be a very good team this year. Uh, they, got a, they got a tough one. Monday night's a tough game, so we'll see what the Broncos are made of. This is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, I am your host, Matt McChesney. I appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, remember to check us out on Twitter at 60strength. Check out the website at 60strength.com. And then make sure that uh, you follow us at BSN uh, McChesney Unchained on Twitter as well. Any questions or concerns you have about the show, shoot them out there, and we'll try and get you right. Thank you for listening, folks. Have a great day, and go Buffs, go Broncos. This is McChesney Unchained, and we are out.